Hi, I'm Grant Johnson, Chief Marketing Officer at Imburse. Welcome to Imburse on the Mic, a podcast series where we dig into the topics that impact our business and lives, managing expenses, processing invoices, and discovering ways to eliminate time-consuming, error-prone manual tasks to help make our lives easier. Our website is imburse.com, and if you'd like to share your thoughts on this episode, you can reach us at hi, hi, at imburse.com. As we discussed in our previous episode, Imburse humanizes work for our customer. Today, we'll talk about the future of travel and expense management and ask the question, what's ahead? With me today is Kevin Permenter, Research Manager with IDC's Enterprise Applications Team. Kevin provides insights and intelligence across multiple areas, including enterprise resource planning, order management, financial applications, project and portfolio management, and I'm also joined by Ted Power, Chief Product Officer for Imburse. Ted is focused on improving every aspect of expense and invoice management across the organization's suite of products. Kevin and Ted, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. Well, let's start. Kevin, please tell us a little bit about yourself. And other than the fact you don't sleep a lot with those responsibilities, what you have going on at IDC. At IDC, you know, again, we talked a little bit about um, in your intro there um, that I am uh, on the enterprise applications team. Now, that's a wide area of coverage. So what I try to do is focus on the financial apps. So that's everything from like your small business accounting apps um, through to your large ERP financial suites um, and then into sort of the point solution areas. So like treasury, tax, traveling expense, um, AR, AP. Um, and, you know, because I do that, I, I actually end up with sort of a, a really interesting take in that I get to see some of the trends you know, sort of go across multiple uh, financial app areas. So it's, it's, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, that's fascinating. You have such a broad area, as you say, and you can see these connection points and uh, trends in the future that we're going to be talking about today that others probably just don't have sort of those insights. How about you, Ted? What brought you to Imburse? So I got started in the world of expense management, I guess you could say, you know, over 10 years ago when I first had to file expense reports when I was an employee at Google, it was, you know, we still had to stick the envelopes in uh, the inter-office envelopes um, to submit our expense reports. And it felt like this, um, this process that just could use some updating. And after Google, I worked at uh, Venmo, uh, which is, of course, a consumer application. And the way that we handled expenses at Venmo is we just created a company account. And whenever we had expenses, we would charge this company account that we set up. Um, and from the employee perspective, it was so much easier than the uh, sort of heavy, slow reimbursement, traditional expense report process. But of course, Venmo was not built to be an expense management tool. And when Venmo was later acquired by PayPal, the finance team at PayPal realized that that's how they were managing expenses and immediately shut it down. Because from the financing perspective, it didn't have the controls and the integrations that you know, finance teams actually need to run their business. So in 2014, uh, with uh, my co-founders, Josh and Omar, we started a company called Abacus. It was meant to be almost as easy to use as something like Venmo on the employee side, but with the controls and the integrations that finance teams actually need to run their business. And then a couple of years ago, we joined forces as Imburse and uh, combined with uh, you know, a bunch of other really great products to create a, a really scaled solution. So that's uh, 
that's how I find myself here at Inverse. Yeah, that's a really interesting path, Ted. Is, you know, some of your past experiences and pain informed your uh, future direction and, and gain as, as far as getting time back and humanizing work as we do at Inverse. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, if you wouldn't mind both, uh, starting with you, Kevin, about uh, where you see the uh, travel and expense fondly known as the T&E market headed over the next couple of years. Yeah, I I think what we're starting to see is that as travel is working itself back into to pre-pandemic you know uh, levels, we're starting to see uh, a big focus around expense uh, and expense monitoring. A lot of companies have worked really hard to tighten the belt um, when it comes to spend, all categories of spend. So uh, as a result, um, expenses. Um, you know, have become really high profile. Um, so we, we, we're seeing that over the next couple of years, um, a lot of companies will be uh, increasing, you know, sort of users of, of this kind of software will increase their focus around, you know, things like visibility um, and analytics reporting so they can see what's happening in a more detailed way. You know, also we're seeing a lot of, um, you know, new expense types, you know, show up too. Um, you know, the pandemic has brought on some new expense questions that are pretty interesting. For example, you know, your office equipment when you're working from home, uh, who handles that, who buys that, uh, office supplies when you're working from home, PPE, you know, um, all of these new sort of expense types are, are putting um, the focus on uh, companies billing out their expense, um, you know, sort of capabilities. And as, as a result, um, the software companies are, are working hard to build out functionality when it comes to expense. So I see expense sort of moving to the, to the forefront over the next couple of years when it comes to T&E. Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's also encouraging to hear your view, Kevin, on, you know, the slow return to travel again in this new normal as we navigate uh, globally, this pandemic. How about you, Ted? Uh, what are what's your thoughts over the next couple of years? Yeah, I think um, Kevin made a lot of great points. I think that um, one of the things that we've observed in our own data at Inverse is the ways in which spending patterns have changed over the past year with COVID. Um, so, in fact, um, our total dollars that are flowing through our platform have increased over the past year. But the types of merchants that companies are spending with have changed in, in sort of significant ways. So, you know, far fewer Starbucks purchases, Ubers, you know, travel, of course, has been obviously heavily impacted on the one hand, but far more spend on things like Amazon, on SaaS subscriptions, like, you know, your Zoom and Slack, you know, purchases on ad campaigns. And so it's really been interesting to observe that the way people are spending is evolving, even though, you know, the usage of the systems actually um, has, has in many ways been growing. That's a big shift. And I think some of that will, will change as COVID fades away, but some of it will probably be here to stay. Beyond that, uh, we're also starting to see a lot more expectation of automation. Right? Employees are expecting, you know, not have to do quite so much data entry, are expecting a more seamless sort of automated experience with built-in payments. And finance teams, as Kevin was saying, are expecting better tools. So it's not just the sort of bookkeeping, you know, closing the books at the end of the month, but it's also analytics. It's, you know, understanding 
their overall spend and, and helping them with auditing their spend and, and sort of spending more effectively. So uh, better tools and, and sort of giving finance team superpowers is something uh, that we're, we're also working hard on here at Inverse. Yeah, that's great. I love that, giving finance superpowers. Oh, they need it. Yeah. <laughs> well, in, in this pandemic, one of the things we learned is that superpowers were, were, were definitely, you know, needed. Um, because it's unprecedented what they had to what they had to deal with, not just what happened, but at the pace that it happened. You know, it was like overnight. You know, things were were completely different, um, and it was only the companies that had the right mix of product tools and uh, and 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 sort of processes that were able to sort of you know make that switch at at the rate and speed that they had to make it. Yeah, that's a really good point being able to adapt to to the environment, your business processes, having the right tools and you know controls to manage. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have expenses and invoices that have to be paid even if you're not in the physical office. So that's uh, great to have that agility as a as a company. Uh Ted, perhaps you could talk a little bit more about this sort of real-time teeny process. Do you see that affecting other areas of finance across the or across the organization? Sure. Yeah. So one of the things, as Kevin was saying, that we've really noticed is uh, is any paper based process. People have a big incentive now to eliminate that. We still get paid with some checks, and in fact, uh, I, I've it's been my duty to go pick up some checks from one of our offices and forward them along to the finance team. And so anyone who's got paper based process, whether it's on the you know, the receiving side or the payment side or the expense side, lots of reasons to to digitize that. And then in terms of making the most of the data that's flowing through our system, um, you know, I think in the past finance teams have been really focused on just getting, you know, the books closed at the end of the month or to tie out. And increasingly, um, you know, we like to work with finance teams that really like to be more strategic about what they do with their data. And so that real-time data, when you are able to pull up a, you know, like an analytics dashboard of, you know, your top merchants, for example, and you can see, oh, we spend, you know, a bunch of money with, you know, Marriott, and so perhaps we can negotiate a, a better rate with them, or, or understand, you know, which of the people on my team are um, slow to approve expenses, so you can sort of, you know, maybe create better policies or better uh, approval flows or whatever. Lots of ways that data can help companies uh, operate more efficiently. So both on the data side and also just on the sort of paper process side. I think there's a lot of um, uh, motivation to change in the past uh, year or so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kevin, what do you see driving some of these changes that Ted was talking about? Is it the consumerization of business, changing employee expectations or, or other things? You know, when you're talking about T&E, it's one of the most sort of people-centric of the, of the business processes, right? At every level you're talking about, you know, different constituencies of people that have to work together, the traveler, the, the, the travel admin, the finance teams, they're all looking for like a, a simple yet powerful experience. It's also one of the areas where you have consumer apps where you can make a direct, com- you know, comparison to what you're, what you're experiencing uh, inside of the uh, you know, business app. So you can go to kayak or, open table or you know uber and and see the difference and i think yeah i think because of that there's a big push amongst those kind of, uh, amongst people especially the users of the software to get more uh, of a consumer like functionality consumer like experience and i think what's really interesting about that is that 
as that becomes the norm, the power and the influence of the of the line of business user, right? The everyday user begins to shape not just sort of, you know, buying patterns, but also how the software is developed. The paradigm sort of shifts from, you know, making software for the admin and making sure that, you know, it's uh, it's got all this sort of analytic and admin functionality um, toward the user and making sure that it has all of the consumer-like features, you know, and, and it's the companies that, that can play the balancing act between those two worlds are the ones that are, are set to, to grow, you know, rapidly. That's a really good point, Ted. Maybe you want to add a little bit to that because I know you, 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 you spend a lot of time or maybe you lose a lot of sleep thinking about making it easier for our customers to use our products. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like Kevin's focus on the employee experience. I think people are accustomed to the tools that they use in their personal lives, you know, whether that's you know email or social media or whatever, and they expect that same level of experience in the tools that they use at work, which is, I think, why you know, companies like Slack and Zoom and Square have all um, you know, been so successful. You know, it used to be that finance teams could really centralize control of all purchasing, but increasingly employees are heavily involved in, in really almost every purchasing decision. And, and companies work with so, with so many more vendors than they used to. So whether it's purchasing a piece of software or whether it's pur- you know, purchasing an airplane ticket or whatever it might be, the old um, sort of centralized finance teams or purchasing is, you know, it's, it's harder to maintain. And I think, you know, companies are actually able to be more nimble if they can decentralize some of that, that spend, but still maintain control. It reminds me a little bit of how, you know, it used to be that you would get your like BlackBerry, your, your work BlackBerry, and it was like a company issued phone. And, you know, there was this whole, you know, and now it seems sort of obvious in hindsight, but now everyone just sort of, you know, you bring your own device and, um, and people expect the sort of the phone that they use for work is also the phone that they use, you know, to text their friends or whatever. In the same way on the spend side, you know, people want a similar experience for uh, purchasing, you know, something off Amazon or uh, a subscription as they would, you know, you know, buying something for themselves. That sort of employee centric focus is something that we think a lot about and, and is definitely where things are headed. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Kevin, you know, thinking about COVID's current and long-term impact in the T&E market, what are your thoughts? Look, you know, at the end of the day, what this pandemic has shown is that companies did not have the financial agility and the financial visibility that they needed to answer some really basic questions like how much do we owe today or this week or this month and answer those questions at speed at the speed that that was needed, especially at the time. So because of that, um, I think you're going to see a big push toward, you know, financial um, visibility and a lot of investment in tools and digital transformation around that idea of visibility into cash flow and visibility into spend, right? It's going to really get back to basics, inflows and outflows, Uh, and being able to have controls around those two competing streams of business. I think what we saw is that companies struggled to have that that, that level of visibility, again, in the time frame that was needed. You know, look, 
one of the things that were that, that is a big takeaway for for me and my research, while this was sort of a a purple squirrel moment, you know, as my professor used to say, you know, look for the purple squirrel, you know, it's really big outlier kind of kind of event. One thing that we do know is that there'll be another event soon, right? It's gotta be. Uh, a focus of your your, your C-suite and, and your your management team to prep the business, not just for what business looks like today, but for any shocks that might come. Right now, we're seeing big uh, a big push around accounts payable software, big push around accounts receivable software, a big push around treasury software, and a big push around expense. And the only thing they all have in common is that they all give you visibility and control into the inflows and outflows of business. Well, Kevin, we're certainly uh, seeing that trend as well. Uh, You know, Ted, if COVID proved anything, it was the need for more automation and agility. Do you foresee more companies continuing to accelerate their adoption of financial technology to help them adapt and compete? And if so, how will that change the industry? Yeah, I'm... uh for example, we were talking with a customer a couple of weeks ago, um, very large university, and uh, they were talking about how the department heads at the university had no idea how much their department was spending. So the finance team, after weeks of data entry or whatever, could, could sort of close the book so that they would eventually have the picture. But in terms of being able, as Kevin was saying, being able to you know, make better decisions and, and respond to sort of the changing environment, and particularly last year, it was so crazy. They just weren't, they're not prepared for that. And uh, it takes them so much time to develop that picture. And, you know, by the time they've got it, it's too late. So being able to have that sort of real time or near real time uh, visibility and then sort of broken out by, in their case, by department, but, you know, whatever, you know, whatever sort of unit makes sense uh, to your organization is so critical. And definitely something that I think companies are realizing is important to develop. Well, for sure, Ted, I think everybody loves the real-time benefits of not having to wait. Well, how do you see a duty of care fitting into the t equation? Is it just going to be about traveler safety or could an app nudge people to make safer choices for themselves and their company? Yeah, I, mean, I think particularly with COVID, companies are thinking a lot about when they travel and how they travel. And so there's some pretty obvious things about understanding if you're traveling to an area that has, you know, higher risk or, uh, you know, has quarantine requirements, both on the, on the destination side. And then also if you return on the returning side, you know, you might have to, you know, quarantine for a couple of weeks when you come back kind of thing. So, you know, those are very practical things that, you know, factor into travel decisions now, but beyond that, I mean, I think, Finance teams and employees are trying to think about the overall travel experience. If you are going to travel, you want to travel safely. You want to understand not just the financial costs of the company, but also the the risk to you know to the uh, individual traveling and to the even just the experience of traveling. You know, like what is that? You know, are you going to have to um, you know quarantine? Are you going to have to you know miss some time with your family, etc.? Again, better data can help both the employee and the finance team understand 
where their employees are, their employee safety, and of course, also the, the total cost of, uh, of the travel. That's interesting, Ted. Kevin, what do you think? Is this reflecting a renewed focus by companies on sort of the you know employee experience or something else also going on? Yeah, I think it's about empowerment on some level, right? One of the things that you're doing is making sure that the employee feels like you value them as, as of course, a productive employee, but then also as a person, right? You're giving them uh, the tools that they need so that they can they can travel safely uh, and feel confident and, and feel as though they can trust the situation going forward and, and, and trust that, you know, that, that you have their best interests in, in mind. So I, I really do feel like it's a renewed focus, as you mentioned, but I, I do think that at the end of the day, it's going to be about providing as many tools and as much functionality as possible around uh, duty of care. For example, a traveler might want to know if they're being asked to travel to a hotspot in a given time or want to know the positivity rate in this in this area. And then a- after you know the pandemic you know subsides, they may want to know that you're willing to pay for a hotel with a, a new air filtration, air sanitization system and, and working that into part of the workflow and part of the, the pre-trip approval process. It's it's that sort of commitment that they're looking for um, when they're talking about duty of care. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess a question for both of you, have more corporations started to focus on the environmental impact of travel? Are they monitoring their carbon footprints and you know trying to mitigate the, the impact on, on, on the ecosystem? We've seen a lot more the focus around sustainability you know, when it comes to not just like when to travel, but how to travel, starting to see, again, booking preferences being toward eco-friendly hotels. You're starting to see companies even incentivize like um, green and and like uh, sustainable eating habits uh, in terms of what they will uh, allow for an expense and what they won't. It's a it's a hot button issue right now. I think it's a it's a growing issue, and I think as travel becomes more of a luxury or, or more of a more targeted in terms of, of business travel, I think you know sustainability becomes a, a bigger issue. Yeah, I agree. I, I think um, I've used one of those uh, carbon footprint calculator things, where you sort of put in your yeah. lifestyle, yeah. whatever, and and at least pre COVID, the thing that I was my by far the the biggest sort of wedge of my pie chart was travel was, uh, you know, airfare. So, you know, that is a silver lining, I suppose, of the past year. I think a lot of meetings where it might have been, you know, people getting on airplanes to look at PowerPoint presentations, that type of travel may actually be replaced with uh, Zoom calls or, or video chats or things like that. And and I don't know that that's a bad thing. And certainly the environmental piece of that is a big part of the story, right? So sort of understanding the total cost of travel, the carbon footprint, the comfort to the employee, uh, the financial costs and the total sort of wraparound costs, right? Not just the airfare and hotel, but, you know, the meals and cars and so forth. You know, that being said, there are different types of travel. One of our customers, they repair substations. So it's, you know, it's like the electrical grid, you know, and as the, um, as the owner told me, it's, it's guys turning wrenches is really the, um, you know, what they do. And so that, you know, that kind of work obviously is essential and can't, you know, move to video chat. And so when people do have to travel, thinking about the employee experience is definitely uh, a big focus. 
Well, we've been touching on the future, so this might be a little too sci-fi, but let's say Kevin, Ted, a question for you. Let's say Kevin screeches up in a DeLorean. He brings you 10 years <laughs> into the future and tells you, book a business trip. What would the teeny experience be like? And of course, let's assume teleportation isn't happening yet. <laughs> nice. The question is specifically about travel, so I'll, I'll stick with that theme. But I think, you know, just as likely it would be Kevin saying, you know, hey, could you buy this, uh, you know, piece of software for me or could you uh, approve whatever, you know, some sort of, you know, other type of spend. But to stick with the travel theme, you know, if we're talking 10 years out. So first of all, the, the trip would be booked with a uh, sort of a natural language processing sort of interface. So it would be like Kayak is great. There are a bunch of great tools out there. But, you know, as much as possible, it should be almost conversational. Like, hey, I'd like to go to, you know, San Francisco in, you know, August. And I prefer to travel on, you know, weekdays in the morning and whatever. And it's sort of, you know, it would book a trip. And then once it's booked, I would, you'd be reminded, you know, 24 hours before the trip. A lift would, you know, automatically show up, you know, in time to, uh, you know, take you to the airport, you know, and then you'd be sort of whisked off. You'd go, uh, you'd complete the trip. And really the, the biggest difference probably wouldn't actually look that different than today. It would be all the things that you don't have to do that you do have to do today. Submitting the hotel folio and uh, receipt from, from your stay, uh, calling the taxi to, to the hotel, you know, finding a place to eat, all the data entry around the expense report, tagging all of the expenses to a particular trip. All of that stuff will just be automated. The value to the employee is that they can they can do their actual job as opposed to all of the manual data entry and sort of you know travel planning and administrative overhead sort of tasks that eat up so much of our days today. So I think that's it would be almost more about what you don't have to do uh, than what you do do. And what about you, Kevin? Except this time, Ted's got the flux capacitor. What do you think travel and expense experience will look like in 2031? Yeah, look, you know, Ted stole a lot of my answers. Uh, (laughs) He talked about, you know, sort of getting rid of the expense report altogether, automating some of the payment, you know, ideas, getting rid of those god-awful receipts and the, the, the pile of receipts that I have to keep track of while I'm traveling. But for me, in addition to what he said, I think also there's going to be a transformation in the next 10 years in how the service providers offer uh, services. So, you know, the hotels, the airports, the airlines, I think there'll, there'll be uh, a shift. Uh, I think right now we're at the beginning of this sort of let's try to convince people and coax people back into the into into business travel in, in order to do that. They're going to they're going to start adding amenities and, 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 and sort of advancing and, and, and adding more value to the overall experience. So, you know, grocery delivery or uh, high tech air sanitization, um, whether that be on the plane or whether that be on, on, you know, in the hotel rooms, in room fitness. Right. So that, you know, you can minimize your, your exposure to, you know, and, and maintain social distance while 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 having a you know, the, the feeling of a, of a clean space. I think thermal imaging technology being put into airports and, and more advances when it comes to the health side of things. The airport had, had sort of degraded into this sort of glorified bus station. There's so much opportunity for them to, to implement more thermal imaging and, 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 and those sorts of uh, technologies to really kind of kind of give you the confidence to get back in the air. So I think in 10 years from now, 
we'll see airlines and airports and, and, and hotels all sort of, you know, offering a next level amenities, uh, either to do with, with sort of cleanliness and sanitation or to do with convenience. You know, I, I really do feel like there's an opportunity for the, the service providers to step forward. And, I, and I'm anticipating that in over the next 10 years. Well, Kevin, that sounds like a really promising future. I'd like to see some of these happen in less than 10 years. Sure. <laughs> Is there anything we haven't covered today or that you want to comment on either Ted or Kevin? Yeah, I, I, I just want to echo a little bit of what Ted mentioned. My main um, sort of position is that travel will come back, but not all of it will come back, right? The idea uh, of traveling for education, um, so whether that be like a training, some you know, seminars or or even conferences where Ted talked about just sitting and, and absorbing PowerPoints, that sort of stuff probably is going to be heavily impacted by the virtual meetings. But there's a whole world of more complex engagements, complex sales, enterprise level sales, whether that be, you know, security systems or enterprise level software, uh, real estate development. All of these things are still going to require sort of that face to face. Um, So I, I really do feel that, you know, while some of it will go away, you know, some of the, the business travel will will remain. And I think it's going to be imperative on the software providers uh, of TNE to sort of put in new tools and new functionality to support that. Right. So with, uh, you know, going forward, um, pre-trip approvals now will be much more involved. Right. You're going to have to not just prove that. Uh, the trip is uh, cost efficient, but you're going to have to prove that, you know, it's going to be uh, worth the the risk and reward, you know, associated with it. So I, I really do feel like you know, this is the opportunity uh, in front of T&E, manufa- uh, T&E software providers to really sort of differentiate themselves. There's going to be uh, more scrutiny around business travel. And the companies that have the tools and, and, and the, you know, and the functionality in place to kind of give that visibility into whether it's worth it or not, um, those are the companies that are going to be able to thrive. Well, Kevin and Ted, uh, thanks so much for talking with us today. It's been a real pleasure and a great glimpse into the present and the future of T&E. Stay tuned for our next Embrace on the Mic episode when we'll be kicking off season two and diving into c-suite thinking and if you'd like to learn more about imburse please visit imburse.com or send us a note to hi hi at imburse.com 